last dunked on episode of the 2010s the 20 teens we are freed from the tyranny of weird decade names uh, starting on january 1st uh, which is good uh got a lot of nice content out there for you uh on patreon we did a gamer last week about that also I went through and picked out my favorite dunks of the decade and made a YouTube playlist on it. That's available to Patreon subscribers as well. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash Duncan LaRue. Also a new Hollinger and Duncan episode is out. We talked about our most confusing players in the NBA. Also eliminated teams from the playoffs. And John talked about what first surprised him when he got into the league with the Grizzlies after having written for ESPN for a while. But now's the time to catch up on a little news. And let us begin here in Sacramento with Dwayne Dedman apparently quite unhappy with the limited role of late. Yeah, and it, it makes sense. Deadman signed that three-year, $41 million contract with Sacramento. Not all of that final season is guaranteed, but it was a significant deal. He presumably had other offers on the table and was almost immediately supplanted by Rashawn Holmes. And good for Deadman to get that money and to, and to be in the circumstance, but I can understand why he's unhappy with it. And it could lead to some interesting ripple effects because if this counts, and I would think that it would as a public trade request, he might get fine now i think he's okay with that <laughs> you know like making it clear that he's out and and a lot of times i could imagine that teams might not be as as engaged like front offices in the idea that a player who signed that recently would want to be traded so i think this could be a, one word be worthwhile from his perspective should that fine come you know fifty thousand dollars is the precedent here that's what it Anthony Davis got fined when Rich Paul said that. Now, worth noting the semantics here, he says, I would like to be traded. I don't know if that's quite to the level of a trade demand. It's stating a preference. I'm guessing the league will probably say that it is because it's, I mean, the reason they don't, you're not allowed to do that is because they just don't want the negative headlines. And that, of course, was caused here. But I think the the greater question is just worth recounting what's happened with Deadman. He's shooting only 22% from three. He was brought in to be a fit with Marvin Bagley, who has had his own intermittent playing time. Remember, Bagley went down with that thumb injury in the first game of the season. And, or maybe it was a hand injury, I can't remember. But they got completely blown blown out they start 0 and 5 getting completely blown out but the whole point of him was to fit with Bagley because he can shoot and then protect the rim on the other end which is a rare combination in theory but he's been shooting extremely poorly and he's played two games since the beginning of December and mostly because he just hasn't been shooting the ball and teams haven't been guarding him he shot 38 percent from downtown last year with Atlanta are you willing to say that he is just done and a toxic asset bad contract now uh, or could he be worth something are the kings right to not be playing him at this point i don't think of him as as done or anything like that i mean this is such a small sample relative to what he's done and remember also that deadman i brought up the three-year 31 figure only one million of that final season is guaranteed and also remember that 2020 cap space is not that valuable Th three years 41 it's sorry not. three years 41 yeah, yeah thank thank you for the correction uh so the yeah i mean it's it, it might be that it's an overpay but i don't think it's a heinous one and so you know for one of those one of those teams that doesn't really need 2020 space maybe they have an expiring contract it might be a little bit of a push for cleveland because they actually could theoretically have cap space but you know like there there are teams that i think would be better with deadman than the other options that are there however uh, how about how about his former home 
Absolutely. I mean, and yeah. and the Hawks have more 2020 cap space than they know what to do with. Um, it's about my preliminary estimate for them is 73 million. So yeah, I mean, they could they could use 13.3 of that on Deadman, and I think they'd be totally fine for it. And I think he'd make them better for this year, which could be beneficial. Now Sacramento, it, it, they're kind of in the in the space of well, what is what is moving him? Obviously, gets him off the books and gets him out of town and all that. So I I actually think that this is a an unusual circumstance where in in a, a first year trade makes some sense and as long like as long as other teams don't play too hardball here basically seeing how sacramento you know how how bad the situation is and trying to like get assets i think that somebody could end up doing pretty well here so deadman as of now yeah 22 percent from three that's terrible the net rating when he was on the floor was terrible but uh, we're talking about a sample of four games started at 312 minutes and he's 11 of 48 from three i'm gonna guess that he hasn't just completely lost it over uh, having turned 30 and yeah rashawn holmes has outplayed him that has made the decision for luke walton easy about who's gonna start and then bagley being injured and and then coming back it's also made easy but Bagley now is playing nearly exclusively at center he's got fit issues next to Rashawn Holmes offensively so I'm not sure and then they also have all these power forwards too and Bagley needs to play so that's part of why Deadman is out of the rotation those power forwards have been playing better than him as well and Bagley should be back hopefully from a, a, a midfoot sprain in the next week or so he he's struggled as we talked about in the 15 and 60 a bit ago so yeah I think I might be trying to trade for him especially because nobody's trying to do anything with 2020 cap space anyway and you can get off of him for 1 million in the summer of 2021 uh we'll see whether in fact uh, he well, does so, face yeah sorry one other thing i want to mention we we've talked about kind of how other teams could should consider trading for dead Memphis. do you think sacramento should try to ride this out for a little longer and not trade him i do think that something needs to happen here now bielitsa has a non-guarantee for last year he's one of these guys who's been playing well if he gets moved or is out of the rotation then maybe there is more space for deadman holmes under contract for next year then he's a free agent in the summer of 2021 i think it's pretty unlikely though that that third non-guaranteed year of deadman is something that whatever team has him is going to want to get off of with uh, that'll be his age 32 season i think you definitely see what you can get for him you see what you can get for bielitsa does seem like the king season has started really going off the rails that playoff contention is starting to become unrealistic for them now if that trend continues for the next five, six games or so, and they're really, uh, it's just not going to be a chance that they can get back to around 500, which is probably where you're going to need to be. Then I think you explore all options. But I mean, they still have the issue of Marvin Bagley. This is the problem with drafting Bagley and then trying to build around him when he may not be that good. But if you're really going to give him a chance, I still think that Deadman operating at his best gives you a chance for that. And I don't think that they really have a chance as Deadman pointed out in his interview uh to see whether Deadman really is cooked or not so I mean if they know something about his health or he just has some mental block where he can't even shoot it all in practice anymore or something like that but for me I haven't seen enough to just declare him so different from the player who merited this contract to begin with uh let's talk a little bit more about the Kings um I mean it's gotten so bad for Deadman that Harry Giles who they have no investment in they turned down his fourth year option he actually looked okay against Denver got in foul trouble but his ball movement uh really helped against Denver's trapping defense uh so he was even playing over Deadman in that Denver game that they lost uh Bagley we mentioned his midfoot sprain deer and Fox missed time over the weekend with a sore lower back 
he did return against Denver. I thought he looked limited. I mean, we just haven't seen those crazy athletic transition pushes from him this year. I mean, he was gutting it out. I think he was trying. He still helps the team as a, but he was more in caretaker mode, really. But he, he is back. No indication he's not going to continue playing. And um, where do you want to go next here? Uh, let, let's go to Salt Lake City. Um, Mike Conley is likely to miss more time, and we're think, talking more in weeks with this reaggravated left hamstring strain. Hamstrings are tricky is an old dunked on chestnut but is for a good reason and it has allowed Utah to go to some lineups that they're pretty comfortable with you know going back more to to Ingles and other things but Conley's absence is still really important for the Jazz well certainly to have a fully actualized version of this team he needs to get back and be playing well but they've been playing better I think uh, without him and uh, as bad as he was playing that's not a huge surprise they're getting more out of Joe Ingles in the starting lineup than they were getting out of him frankly uh, which is remarkable but they had a great win against the Clippers on Saturday with Donovan Mitchell hitting a bunch of tough floaters and mid-rangers to close out the Clippers their defense looked really good they held Leonard and George to like 12 out of 40 combined shooting looked really good Georgia by the way had a, a troubling quote that he still doesn't feel comfortable going through contact around the rim the way he did in Oklahoma City before the shoulder injuries and for those who thought George was going to come back and play at that near MVP level that he did before he got hurt last year that has not been the case and in fact when George is on the floor without Kawhi Leonard the Clippers are I think even slightly in the negative which is not good uh but the Clippers also saw Patrick Beverly leave and then return with a ugly looking right elbow injury finished the game with a brace some thought though that he might end up missing time there uh the Washington Wizards uh this will shock you Danny they have uh, some injury issues right now they do and in terms of importance to the team we should start with Bradley Beal he has right lower leg soreness it's the same leg that he's had the those the stress issues with so that's definitely worth them being patient on and then they're also uh, well, well, well hold on I mean remember we've been cautioning about this for a long time right where he had these uh stress reactions in his leg he missed time in multiple seasons due to that and he's come back and basically been playing the most minutes in the league the last year and a half in completely meaningless games and having these over 40 minute games and now I mean they haven't detailed what this is but it's the same leg it's soreness they didn't say it's knee soreness they said it's leg soreness indications are it might be a recurrence of the same thing so that's definitely troubling I mean we'll see who knows maybe he's back in a couple of games and it's nothing but this was somewhat foreseeable uh and definitely concerning but you know if only the medical guy reported directly to Tommy Shepard instead of instead of the owner maybe it could have been avoided um but yeah what, what else they got here Davis Bertans and Thomas Bryant are about a week away respectively with uh Bertans right ring finger issue and a right quad strain and then Thomas Bryant had that stress reaction in his right foot and so that's those are huge losses to the team and also Rui Hashimura has missed seven straight with a groin issue he's probably going to be out at least the next week we don't know exactly how long and then Mo Wagner is still out with his ankle issue but the Poshnik's era continues Danny that is the, the important thing here Toronto when last we spoke uh, about them on Christmas I was killing Nick Nurse for pay, playing Pat McCaw 32 minutes as they got blown out 
Well, he's continued to start. He played 44 and 37 minutes the last two games as they came back and beat the Celtics handily in Boston in a return matchup. But he had a career-high 18 points, stuffed the box score a little bit, 13 in the game after that. So he's actually been giving them something here. So perhaps Nurse's faith and the organization's faith in him was warranted. And I was wrong there. And they still remember they've got everyone out here. Siakam, Marcus Gasol, Norman Powell, all out indefinitely right now so no indication that those guys are going to be back Powell it's the left shoulder subluxation a groin for Siakam and the hamstring for Gasol do, do you need me to read the Portland news or, or can you handle it uh, you, you can you can read it so Scal suffered a knee injury against the Lakers it did not look good he had to leave the game his initial MRI was inconclusive due presumably to the amount of swelling he's gonna have a follow-up once that dissipates but he's at least out for the next five games not gonna go with them on their road trip could potentially be longer so as of now it's Anthony Tolliver, they recalled Moses Braun from the G League. I can't tell you anything about Moses Braun. I'm not familiar with this game. And Nasir Little, those are your backup bigs right now. Just absolutely zero traditional big play in that group. Well, Moses Brown went to my alma mater, but he went there during the time I refused to watch the team because Alford was coaching them, so I also cannot add anything. Um <laughs> But I want to I want to jump to to Brooklyn. I mean, the ongoing Kyrie Irving saga is ongoing. Uh, he's not making a, he's not making another road trip. Uh, he's still not taking contact. Could be another two to three weeks for Kyrie. So I mean, Spencer didn't. He's done great in his in his absence. We'll talk about that presumably on the next fifteen and sixty. Um, but still, I mean, that's really it's really tough for the Nets to deal with all that. And but fortunately, Karis Levert should be back in the next few games, recovering from his thumb surgery. The ongoing saga is ongoing. You know, what is the, the Leonard Nimoy line on The Simpsons? The timeless ballet goes on. And yeah, there is a report that he might miss two or three weeks. Uh, they refuted that. But uh, Boston, Robert Williams, left hip bone edema. I guess that means a bone bruise. He's going to have another MRI in a couple of weeks. And once again, they just really could use him and his athleticism and He's got all the chance in the world here, but it's really a shame that he's been unable to stay healthy. And Trey Young, probably going to miss at least another week or so with an ankle sprain. He had to leave the game against Milwaukee. They're already down 20 playing Milwaukee at home without Giannis and Bledsoe. And Kevin Herter started the second half at point guard with Trey out. So the Hawks now have no point guards available when you start the season with one. That is a possibility. And then Jabari Parker, a right shoulder impingement, and hopefully it doesn't bother him as much as Irving's shoulder impingement has, but he's doubtful for tonight's game in Orlando. That'll be his third straight missed on the sideline. Otto Porter, I recall that it had been called a bruised foot early on, hasn't played since November 6th. It was reported, and I should have noted who it was, I, I missed that. That is a small fracture in his left foot, which makes a, a lot more sense now of why he just, you know, has been in a walking boot this whole time, hasn't been able to get back in the court. But, I mean, if you just had to guess, Danny, would you say he doesn't play again this year? Yeah, I mean, it kind of does feel that way, doesn't it? I mean, maybe maybe something like well after the All-Star break, if they just want to kind of see where things are. 
are, but yeah. he Otto Porter has a player option for next year. Um, but I mean, having a basically a lost season is not exactly the way to lead into potential free agency, even though there are a, a dearth of forwards that could do anything. So I, I, I wonder what he's going to do. Uh, Tim, Hardwick, I, I don't, I think he's, he'll, uh, I mean, I guess the only way he wouldn't is maybe he comes back. They might push him to come back if they're in playoff contention. I mean, they're up to the number four defense in the NBA, which is some Just intense opponent shooting luck there. Uh, that's yeah. something I talked a little bit about with Jared Dubin um, on Real Gym Radio this past week. Yeah, I haven't dug into that. Uh, it, is it just a three-point shooting mid-range? Well, it's it's so basically it was just a really sh- quick look on the, uh, the that cleaning the glass, like difference between opponent location effective field goal percentage and then their actual effective field goal percentage. Yeah. It's like, I think it's something like 30, they have the worst location and then the number 15 opponent field goal percentage. So it's like, that's a huge swing. Yeah, and a lot of it has been forcing turnovers, I think, uh, to why that too. They, they've been so good. Yeah. And we had that with the Grizzlies, so it was earlier in the season, I think it was was it last year it might have been last year where they were for, forcing turnovers and like 19 percent of opponent possessions which is just you never see now the bulls number isn't that high obviously um dallas this could be potentially significant we'll talk about them a little later on since we saw them in person in a fun game on saturday night tim hardaway jr on sunday got a fast break dunk tried to go in and really yoke it and he hurt his hamstring couldn't really move for a couple of possessions after that had to leave the game so usually when a guy can't move like that and has to leave the game with a hamstring injury it ends up being a, a couple weeks or so and he's been shooting the shit out of it as has the whole Dallas team and it seemed to me that their offense really took off when he ascended into the starting lineup and he's been shooting I think 43 percent from downtown for Denver Michael Malone gets a, another extension I think this is just a one-year extension they did this a little bit earlier in the season last year but they're pleased with his work and she had a conversation with a, a scout about the Nuggets over the weekend an advanced guy and he was very complimentary of Malone we talked about the Nuggets uh, for a while and their defense he said that actually offensively he likes the stuff that he runs some of the set pieces uh that he he has opened things up to be a little bit more free-flowing than he did in Sacramento but in Sacramento he would call plays pretty much every time down and but he really has good ATOs that can get guys the ball in spots where they're comfortable he noted that they have a a play for Gary Harris that they run that they get a bucket on pretty much once a game uh, based on out of bounds play um and, and I talked to him too about the Nuggets defense and you know we were both very complimentary he said hey you know what like their personnel is a little bit limited their scheme with the aggressive pick and roll coverage you know you might be able to exploit that but when you consider the limitations of some of the guys on their roster that he's doing an amazing job he gets those guys to execute exactly what he wants them to execute and even if your scheme and your personnel isn't that great if you simply avoid mistakes that that can make you a pretty decent defense and I, I mean I, you can't argue with the results they've had the last couple of years given their personnel defensively even if again we might say that they've uh, benefited from opponent shooting luck the last two years um yeah and and also yeah. something that Malone has done a good job of in my opinion is handling when there have been absences and that one of those is going on right now Gary Harris was unavailable in their game on Sunday so Michael Porter Jr. got his first NBA start and was co-leading scorer with Will Barton 19 points on 8 of 10 from the field 1 of 3 from 3 in 26 minutes in their 5 point win at home over SAC and you know I've, I've liked that part of it for Malone too I mean they've they had that time when Millsap didn't play his first 
year on the team, and they were able to get through it well enough. And so I have qualms with Malone as a playoff coach, but considering Denver, you know, and, and, and I mean, it's I, it's not like I see the Cronkies like breaking the bank to get one of the like five best coaches in the league. Malone is a, is a good fit for what they're doing. I think he's done a good job there, so I'm totally fine with that. Yeah, and to finish up my, my conversation, it was... What I kind of realized is, you know, he's not my style of coach. You know, he kind of, he's a little controlling. He's always preaching effort. He does the hard ass and the media act every once in a while, which I've never particularly cared for. But as that archetype of coach, he does it about as well as you could think. So, I mean, I've kind of predisposed not to care for that style, but, you know, you can't really argue at this point with the results. I mean, I know I said last year that, when he got extended early that I wasn't necessarily in favor of that. I didn't think he had done this amazing job, but I think clearly where they've gotten defensively. I also I talked to him a little bit about Denver's offense, which has come on some lately, but still is not where it was a couple of years ago. You remember when they were like second in offense and one of the worst defenses a, a couple of years ago. And Chris Finch, you remember, was there. Then he he moved on to New Orleans. And what the scout said was that with Finch, they didn't run as many plays as they do now. They still aren't as rigid as Malone was in Sacramento. But that Finch was all about the free-flowing, get it to Jokic. We're not going to run any set plays. We're just going to try and cut off of him. And the other reason, though, that he thinks that they're not as ridiculous offensively as they were back then, number one, the lack of spacing. We've talked about that. But they need Millsap for the defense. You know, Millsap wasn't playing that much that year. And because of the injury, but also just the league is kind of caught up to the run DHOs off of Jokic out of the corner and deny those guys. Another tactic he said has been working pretty well is that teams, when the guy does come off that DHO with space out of the corner, that they'll trap that guy and Jokic for all of his brilliance, he's not necessarily going to get right on top of the rim and dunk on you in that situation where you imagine coming off the DHO at the elbow. That guy gets trapped. Jokic rolls to the rim so quickly that he gets over there and dunks before the help can come from the weak side. And said, if you need to bring help to the, from the weak side, you can. Or he's just going to pop to 17 feet and you give up the 17-footer. But, you know, that's not the end of the world as a defense. So it's a really interesting conversation about the Nuggets. We talked for like 30 minutes about them. So I thought I would take a chance to relay that with the, the news that Malone is going to be in Denver for a little bit longer here. What else we got? The Houston Rockets are dealing with their own injury woes uh, in the game against New Orleans. Russell Westbrook sat due to the, it being a back-to-back. They were going to sit him anyway, but that got exacerbated because James Harden couldn't play due to a sprained toe, and then Clint Capella missed it due to that bruised teal that was suffered. I think it was a little bit over a week ago, and we kind of said to keep an eye on it. Fortunately, they did get Eric, Eric Gordon back. He looked pretty spry, scored 20 points in 22 minutes, but they did lose to the, the Pelicans. And in Detroit, they're dealing with a bunch of issues the I mean Reggie Jackson still he's going to be reevaluated at some point like but we don't really know where he is with this back issue Luke Kennard has is has been missing time and he's not we're not going to hear anything for him for about a week with bilateral knee soreness and then Blake Griffin sore left knee that's worth keeping an eye on yeah I mean it's almost at the point where it's not worth keeping an eye on anymore because we just know this is what it's going to be he's going to miss games periodically supposedly the MRI that he had was clean he had three of 16 in a blowout loss to the Spurs on Saturday just has been getting nothing at the rim under 500 true shooting for the season still got the sleeve uh 
on that knee and it really it, it doesn't appear like he's going to be able to get it back i mean i don't know at this point what they can do you know it doesn't seem like there's a surgery whether the mri came back clean or it came back as yes you have no cartilage left so there's nothing else that we can do but it, it just seems like he's either going to be ineffective or missing games for the foreseeable future here and this is year three now only of that huge contract that he signed in the summer of 2017 and he basically gave you one year year of all-star production for that contract and it seems pretty likely to me that his time as an all-star level of player is over not totally for closing on it but these signs are not good here so with Blake doubtful to play tonight against the Jazz Markeith Morris has a left foot sprain seems like it's been at least a few games for him so Christian Woodtime he and, and Andre Drummond will see whether they actually played Drummond and Wood together I don't think they've deployed many of those lineups or whether he's just solely in a backup role at, but they don't remember this is a team that doesn't even have any threes not to mention threes who can play up to the four at least that Dwayne Casey trusts so it's going to be even tougher for him at this point with both of their traditional power forwards out uh Indiana Malcolm Brogdon this is another one to keep an eye on here missed his third straight against the Pels uh, as they got blown out uh, after a tough loss in Miami the previous night that's now his third straight on the sidelines you recall he also had to miss time earlier with lower back issues all that of course uh, is connected that posterior chain so hopefully this isn't going to be a recurring issue for him throughout the season but uh, don't know exactly when he's gonna be back you would hope it'd be in the next few games but uh and then ed in summer had a chance uh, but had to leave the game with right knee soreness you remember he's had a, a ton of knee issues over the course of his career he got drafted as low as he did uh because he suffered a torn acl in college uh one other uh, another running storyline through the league right now are um achilles soreness issues um in orlando aaron gordon was recently ruled out for monday's game he left saturday's game after 21 minutes and then in New York, Wayne Ellington is back from it, but it's kind of something to keep an eye on. I'll stick with the Knicks and then go back to the Magic. With the Knicks, Ellington is back. Dennis Smith is still out uh, with with a strained oblique, and not surprisingly, he would like to be moved. He's been marginalized, and the Knicks also just suck, so they're going in that direction. And then, for yeah, over- in fairness, he did. St- when asked about it he did say no i would like to stay with the knicks uh but there were also nonest reports that he would like to be moved but important the, the, is this the the shining shining we don't want to get sued now do we <laughs> <laughs> Um, And then in Orlando, um, Michael Carter-Williams has already missed a week with a left shoulder issue. And Al Farouk Aminu suffered a setback per Steve Clifford. He has a torn meniscus. It probably sounds like now that he was trying to avoid surgery that he will have to have that surgery, which sucks. And um, Mo Bamba sprained his ankle on Thursday and is questionable again in their game against the Hawks on Monday. For Philly, uh, Matisse Thibel with that knee sprain and bone bruise uh, there's hope per chris haynes that he could be back at the shorter end of that two to four week recovery period which would be about a week from now for oklahoma city the currently playoff position oklahoma city thunder and had a nice rousing win against toronto on sunday as shea gilgis alexander scored the most points by a canadian in canada but dennis schroeder hurt his right ankle on thursday played on friday and had 24 points and then got ruled out for sunday in toronto a day in advance so sounds like maybe he suffered some additional swelling after playing on that and Danilo Gallinari also dealing with an ankle injury hasn't played the last three games it's unclear when he's going to return Billy 
Donovan downplayed it at least as not a very long-term absence so sounds like he could be back soon but always a, a worry with Gallo that he's gonna miss time you remember he had that glute injury two years ago where he just it seemed like he was gonna be back in a couple of games and then he ends up like missing basically the whole season Milwaukee um Eric Bledsoe is probable to make his return against the Bulls while Giannis is questionable to do that he's so he played on Christmas and has missed the last two since then with a sore lower back well I mean that's obviously important not only for the MVP race and for everything else and Carl Anthony Towns well, well real quick on him I mean, maybe that throws some of his difficulties in that 8-27 to Christmas game into a different light if he then is going to miss two straight games after that maybe that's a reason to have some more hope as a Bucks fan that you know Joel Embiid didn't just completely solve him I don't know if he injured it during that game I mean it seems like more of a thing where he's been getting some sorts but I mean the Bucks they deserve so much credit for the way that they're able to just roll along even when Giannis is out Bledsoe is gonna be back though so uh that helps him a little bit um but yeah you're gonna move on to Minnesota yeah I mean the Wolves have been in this serious tailspin including losing to the Cavs on Saturday uh a big part of that is Carl Anthony Towns has been unavailable he is questionable with that knee sprain in their next game and Andrew Wiggins is dealing with an illness as well can we uh you're doing like some betting now for Real GM Radio right or can, can we talk about that uh sure we can talk about it a little bit that's fine well it was just funny being at the game on Saturday and I think your two bets that you talked to me about at least were both I was like I mean I never look at this stuff but I it's kind of making me want to now because <laughs> your your first bet was Hawks going against a red hot Bulls defense no Trey Young under 103 points I was like wow that's just like free money <laughs> like how bad the Hawks have been without Trey Young on the floor going up against a, a pretty good defense like uh, there is no way that, like their offensive rating without Trey Young on the floor is like a 90 this year yeah so so that was one and then the other one was uh the Cavs were and we didn't know for sure at the time I made the bet that Towns wasn't going to play though it looked I mean we kind of could read the tea leaves I think the Cavs were six or seven point underdogs against the Wolves and I was like oh okay that that's easy I thought about doing money line but I, I did that instead but yeah, it was fun. Um, I So I hadn't made any sort of wager in two months, part, largely due to the Europe trip, and then I'd kind of forgotten about it. So I am just I just did six low-dollar low wagers on the game Saturday when we were going to be at, at Chase Center just kind of just to keep an eye on different things. I ended up winning five of the six, and the only one I lost was I did a preliminary one on the Blazers because I thought LeBron wasn't going to play, and he did. So that was really what happened there, and then, then the Lakers won that. So I was pretty happy with that. And, you know, the next time I find something like that, Hawks when I think I'll hit it a little harder than I did. Ethan Strauss also noted in his column over the weekend a nugget from the G League showcase that a number of executives said to him that Carl Anthony Towns uh, may be unhappy in Minnesota. Not a huge surprise when, you know, everyone else on his team is shooting 25% from three, uh, as we talked about on the 15 and 60. But hey, Carl, remember when you signed a full five-year deal instead of getting the four plus one? Probably should have uh, maybe got the four plus one. We'll see. I mean, now you can always, if you're really willing to Vince Carter, it you can always get out of a place um but that's just you know something that ethan heard from multiple people but you know that's always executives gossiping around the league who are just telling us this stuff sometimes so i don't know how much to make of that but it wouldn't shock me if he's kind of ready to move on there um well, and, and one, be, one of the other him. big concerns for Towns in Minnesota is just how hard it's going to be for them to change directions. Remember, Wiggins is 
paid through 2023. And those two guys make about 60 million combined. That rises all the way up to 67 million in 22-23. And then Jang is paid another year. Like It's hard to see how, even if Rosas does a good job and drafting Jared Culver is not my favorite, is not to me necessarily the hallmark of a good job, though there are lots of other things Rosas has done that I like. It's hard to see them like dramatically changing over this roster in the next couple of years. Yeah, I agree with you. And they're, they're not trending in the right direction. Towns, his own individual performance is not trending in the right direction. He's been, it's interesting. He's been questionable for the last few games, it sounds like, but I, I'm not quite willing to go there yet to say like, oh, he's extending his absence to, to stay out of there. That's a, it's not to, to get out of there. That's not the implication yet. But you know, if this drags on a little longer when he was supposed to come back, seemed like pretty quickly and he rarely, if ever misses games. In Phoenix, DeAndre Ayton, another odd injury absence. It's unclear what happened. You remember he, he sprained his ankle in his return again in their blowout loss to the Clippers on December 17th. That was his return from the 25-game suspension. He practiced on Thursday, looked like he might get back, but now he's getting ruled out way in advance again for these games. So maybe he suffered a little bit of a setback. But again, that's one where don't know how long it, it's going to be for him. New Orleans, Zion Williamson, he's been dunking. He's been dunking, Danny, uh, even off of, of that leg that he injured even did like a nice windmill so he's supposed to start taking contact in early january still looking at me like late january they will be exceedingly cautious but new Orleans actually playing a lot better recently they changed up their defensive scheme with the return of Derek favors they've actually been a top five defense since uh, he returned uh, i don't expect that to continue but they are now going to more of a drop coverage with him they just didn't have a center who's really capable of playing that kind of coverage but favors is a good defensive player still doesn't quite might have the bounce that he showed in previous years, but as he's been able to work back after understandably missing a, a lot of time with the death of his mother, uh, as he's been able to get back in the swing of things, that they've looked like a real NBA team after that 13-game losing streak. And there is enough time in the season for them to look like a real team long enough to make the playoffs, which would be a really incredible story. Yeah, I think they probably would have to, at this point, have to hope for an injury or a trade from the teams above them. As of now, wow, they're actually, by 538, given 42% chance of making the playoffs. They're 11 and 23. Blazers only 48% now. 538 has been higher on the Pels than lower on the Blazers all season. Blazers are 14 and 19. Pels are 11 and 23. Thunder, 17 and 15, 76% chance of making the playoffs. 14% for the Suns, 10% for the Wolves, 7% for the Kings. I still am not willing to write off the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, they're 13 and 18, so they're really only one game out of that playoff spot and 538 not a fan of them at the start of the season with their players not a fan of what they've done so far projects them to have a negative 4.2 net rating by the end of the season but they're playing a lot better lately and they had not quite as extreme of a turnaround last year but kind of a similar one i mean people were saying they were done when they were 11 and 14 and so i'm uh certainly down on the spurs overall but the popovich magic we've seen it before when they've struggled early in seasons so i i still think that they i kind of actually like their chances still better than the pels just because they've i mean 23 losses already for the pels that is pretty rough here last piece of news uh miami heat justice winslow it missed his 12th straight game on monday with that lower bone lower bone bruise in his back Sorry, lower back bone bruise. And uh, they're supposedly trying to reintegrate James Johnson and Dion Waiters, two of the sour 17s that they have that have just had such a rough go of it, particularly this year. Yeah, 
But that said, they may be trying to reintegrate them, and I don't see how either of those players helps them right now. They just, even with Winslow out, they have quite the surfeit of shooting guards and power forward in Miami. So any observations that stuck out to you as some of the games that you watched uh, over the weekend or kind of free flow this, uh, but uh, wanted to get you guys an episode here didn't want to go too long without it we got of course uh, top prospects top 10 prospects coming later this week and also awards coming later this week but uh wanted to keep current a, a little bit so any of the action stick out to you over the weekend yeah uh for, for me i mean we came off the high of philadelphia putting together that crazy win over the bucks on christmas day a game we did for the nba cast and then on the 27th they ended up only losing by one point to the magic but it should have been a lot more and the, you know as a reminder that while the the sixers have this crazy high ceiling and also i mean you kind of would know that a magic a magic sixers game would be gross like that's just the, those teams are very talented defensively they can give each other problems but it was a reminder that while the sixers can have those games when they're shooting well they, they can't get beat and then there was also this weird duality where the sixers lost one point games on back-to-back nights and the heat won one point games on back-to-back nights one of which was against each other that crazy crazy game on saturday night that miami won in overtime yeah and the heat are now four games ahead of the sixers in the loss column and sixers are seven and ten on the road i mean that game was just completely batshit insane if you missed it on saturday night which you probably did if you're like a college football fan you're watching that but let me just give you the highlights of what happened just in the last minute or so of the game. First, Joel Embiid hits a late shot clock, step back to his right, like a James Harden step back to his right for three over Jimmy Butler, puts the Sixers up by five. Jimmy Butler and the Heat get back into it, but he only makes one out of two. So after a, a Miami bucket, he gets fouled, hits one out of two. The Heat press. The Sixers might be one of the worst teams in the league against the press, probably the worst team because Embiid has had a pretensity to turn it over ben simmons doesn't want to get fouled he's their nominal point guard josh richardson is not that great of a dribbler neither is tobias harris neither is al horford horford actually was sitting out the majority of crunch time in favor of trey burke in part because they just felt like they needed to get more penetration against miami zone which they largely played better against in this game remember miami killed them by playing zone in their first home loss at the wells fargo center so the heat press sixers break it tobias harris tries to go in for a dunk up to 20 seconds left it bounces up in the air misses it off the back room ben simmons amazing play tips it to Joel Embiid. he gets it poked away in a double team after just trying to accept the foul and like three guys surround him and they poke it away tyler hero gets it in transition he's inside the arc steps back it's a crazy three to put miami up with seven seconds left then philly tries to get a really nice ato sideline out of bounds just inbound it right to the charge circle from b great play great pass but he drops it they lose it uh Butler one out of two again so it's a two-point game ridiculously terrible foul by Goran Dragic maybe the worst foul of the year I'd have to think about it though yeah I mean he just reached in like it's one thing if you're up three right but they're up two like it looked like he almost intentionally fouled and just like reached his arm out and Josh Richardson didn't even really like make a play to try to get fouled he just reaches in and with one second left so Richardson goes to the foul and misses the first so they're down two 
intentional missed situation he said later that he saw ben simmons behind him kind of on the right side at the arc sprinting to go in simmons might have gone a little early because you're not supposed to cross the three-point line until the ball is released but he just blows past Derek jones jr just goes right through him and josh richardson shot hits the backboard and we've seen so many times when the shot hits the backboard that it just only hits the backboard in these intentional miss situations we talk about all the time and in fact it looked like that's what had happened the trail official on the opposite side of the floor calls a violation as simmons is tipping the ball in and joshua's just like no 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 no, he's like starts running towards the official that no it did hit the rim and the replay showed that it did it barely grazed the rim and then went right to simmons and he tipped it. it was just beautiful best execution i've ever seen on one of those missed free throw plays and so they review it it's clear that it's hit the rim i don't know actually let me look up what the last two minute report said on this so yeah so here's what it says it says after communicating with the replay center it was determined that richardson's free throw hit the rim the whistle occurred after simmons released his successful field goal attempt and the basket is scored this is clearly a just result i don't know actually that the whistle really did happen after simmons released his shot because in theory what should happen is it's an inadvertent whistle and then you have a jump ball and i'm also not sure where in the rules you're allowed to review whether a violation of the shot hitting the rim has occurred i mean ultimately the right result and i commend them even if it's not in the rules for getting the right result but i'm uh the whole thing was really weird and then it, it, in overtime miami ends up beating them also hilarious. When Al, yeah sorry go ahead. also hilarious that miami winning a game significantly lowered their their clutch or their their uh overtime net rating because they were like a crazy like plus 75 before this one and then they just only were like plus a little bit yeah yeah well they're now six and oh in overtime and so al horford finally gets put back in the game switches on to jimmy butler i liked that at least the heat you know it was a tie game the heat didn't just run the clock down for jimmy butler to go against ben simmons because ben simmons did a really good job guarding butler most of the night other than a couple of cuts that he gave up so i don't think that butler could get a great shot against simmons one-on-one but they set a screen horford fresh off the bench fouls butler on the arm just the one thing that you can't do in that situation would have been a pretty difficult shot but a a decent look for butler and butler hits a free throw and that ends the game but yeah one of the crazier games if only it hadn't had that sorry ending with like a bad foul and it'll probably be one of my two nominees for the game of the game of the month uh later here um all right, this is, uh, as as it tends to, it's gone on pretty long here. But anything else you want to talk about? I, I promise we can be a little more brief than with that game. But I I really uh, wanted to get through that one because it was just such a crazy game. Well, being there in person, the insane, especially first quarter of Warriors Mavericks was was really fun. D'Angelo Russell being completely unconscious, twelve points in the first two minutes of the game, and he ended up with I think it was seventeen or eighteen in the first quarter, and then he ends up getting hurt in the third, but comes back in the game, and then Dallas's offense of mojo just continuing to roll it was it was really fun to be there and it was a game that had pretty good atmosphere and chase for the time that it was competitive and then after that of course it dropped off yeah i don't know if you knew this danny but they had a uh, 176 offensive rating in uh, 18 minutes in the second half all right well that's it well uh great talking to you guys and uh we will be back later in the week top 10 prospects in the nba followed by our award so big rest of the week that'll be after the first of the year talk to you all then